Hello, I'm Molly Upstill. And I'm Kathleen Gazzola. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Mum's Gone, Gone Tropo. Our little podcast where we as fairly new mums are having chat about life in the tropics, raising our family, the challenges and joys of motherhood, and also sitting down with some well-known and some not as widely known women about their mum journey and why they're raising their family in the NT. Molly, how are you? We're back for another episode. Well, we officially clicked over a month since we've launched. Oh my God. Has it really been that I think we're a couple of days off. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that amazing? It's flown it's by. It's so much fun. And the feedback has been phenomenal. So incredible. Everyone's so got touched. around it. Yeah. Honestly. Not just everyone. Thousands. Thousands. Th- I mean, like, would you? I actually would never have expected that number. No. Nah, I say it every never. time. I should back ourselves more, but seriously, thousands. <laughs> Who would have thought that? Who would have thought would listen thousands? To you and me just I know. Shit. Just talking shit. <laughs> I know. Not me, definitely not definitely me. Definitely not, but no, we're very chuffed and grateful. Oh my gosh, I pinch myself every day. We're getting new followers on social media. You know, we get lots of messages, but to see those numbers mm-hmm. after every episode just go up and up and up is actually blows my mind. And pretty cool, the people who are offering to be our guests. I know. Well. Wouldn't it be just great if we had all the time to do it? Oh my gosh, we, we have no time. This is like... <laughs> We have no time, but let's dedicate so much time to this. Definitely, yeah. Anyway, it's been a lot of fun. I have thoroughly enjoyed it and we have so many exciting guests coming up. Definitely, and it's thanks to them that we're able to. Oh, my, yes. Thank you, girls. Launching into my Mango Madness Oh, yes, let's week. kick it off with Mango Madness. Good old, very top-end territory. Everyone loves the markets, right? Heading along to the markets, Saturday, Sunday, whatever your flavour is, Rapid Creek, Nightcliff, Parap, whatever. Yep. Uh, went along to Nightcliff Markets uh, Sunday a week ago or so. And it's jam-packed there. Always. And carrying a toddler in the arms because, of course, she doesn't want to walk. Yep. Um, and the pram's just too hard. It gets to an age where it's just like, you know what, you can walk. Exactly. But then, obviously, they don't want to. They don't want oh, to. Yeah, it's a battle. Um, and as a 14 kilos, she's not particularly <laughs> light, but that's my workout. Other half <laughs> had gone fishing, so it was just us. So Must I be thought, nice. you know, could do it all myself, right? Yeah. I'm a mum. We do it all ourselves. Uh-huh. So had the hands full of everything. All of a sudden, Sal needed to be carried couple of juices in the hand as well. Loves a juice, old Sal. Large, mind you, watermelon juice. Big girl. Grabs the cup. He squeezes it and it just spurts up into the air. And what juice was it? Watermelon juice. Uh, Thankfully, we're wearing a pink shirt, so that's okay. Yeah, but, yeah, at least you know. it's not white. <laughs> Squirts up in the air, just goes all over me, all over her, crying over spilled milk because it's cold as it is, a toddler, whatever. Trying to like get my and you like see red in the moment, oh. don't you? You just go just so honestly. instantly angry, <laughs> yeah. but you're like, it's just an accident. You know, she just wanted her juice. Oh, like me too, girl. I want my juice too, but just hang tight. And like literally a couple of meters away from like a wall to be able to go put everything down. So it's just pouring trail along behind me as I'm walking oh. to the wall all over us. Thankfully, the wonderful people at Groove Cafe in the oh, market, yep, yep, yep. came over, brought me a tea towel. Someone else Did they watch the whole service. thing happen? There was easily a circle of people. Did everyone laugh or just go, oh. I think I have zoned out, but I'm pretty sure there was a bit of a, <gasps> one day someone's <laughs> going to recognise you and they'll see this happen and be like, Kathleen, you know what? Silver lining. This is a great mango <laughs> madness. <Yes. laughs> 
<laughs> that'd be the day, right? <laughs> yeah, so everyone was lovely, but it was, yeah, smelt of watermelon on the way home. Oh, I guess you could smell like of worse things, like Definitely. milk. At least it wasn't a milk-based very, drink. Very true. Yeah, I mean, I'm permanently covered in breast milk spew. <laughs> oh, the smell under the chin? That's yeah, it's awful. disgusting. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. So you've got a mango sadness. I got this mango sadness. Yeah. It's we started been... off with a happy one. No, yeah, well, look, I don't want to bring it down, but I don't know if you can hear my poor Oscar in the background it's been it's been a long fortnight it's been that as I said last week that like five week five six hump where like you're ready to put them in the bin and they give you that first smile but like the accumulation of no sleep over so long Mm. and then Artie as I said to Jack when we brought Oscar home when is the first daycare bug going to hit the newborn and it was week six Mm. and it turns out it wasn't just a daycare bug it was rsv the worst one i reckon and rsv turned into bronchiolitis Mm. and i have today got home from hospital thank you for coming out to the rural area to record this least i could do oh my gosh also i made sure she was okay didn't just barge in just come over it's fine i needed to have a giggle no we we have overnighted in hospital two nights in a row pretty much poor baby labored breathing Mm. toddler sharing brother oh my gosh you don't wish it on anybody it's been horrible to watch yeah you can hear him coughing in the background Thank God he's okay. He will be okay. But it's hard with the virus. You can't just whack some antibiotics into him. You've just got to give him lots of cuddles, boob on demand. Yeah. And he's just got to fight it on his own. So hopefully he'll just have amazing immune system because of it. Doesn't make it any easier in the moment. And I know that I've got another week, but thankfully my parents fly in. Oh, that'll be good. This week and it's give both Jack and I a bit of a break after a shitty long fortnight and a sick newborn, but. He's given me pretty good smiles, so I think that's a good on the mend indication that that's he's good. on the mend. Yeah, RSV sucks. It really does. I reckon Sally, I think, was like nine months or so maybe when yeah. she, I reckon it was that. It we ended up going heart. out to the hospital to get yeah. her checked out in case. And it's just awful, especially yeah. when they're not themselves and they just want to yeah. lie on you and just I know. sleeping. And, oh. Thank God for the amazing staff at RDH, though, and Palmston Hospital. I mean, yeah. I know that. Pumston Hospital, you know, you don't have the peds ward operating there as they would like, but again, like an amazing experience with our public health system and our hospitals in Palmerston and Darwin. We were very, very well looked after. Well, shall we get into the guest? Let's rock and roll. Someone well known in media circles. Uh, People might remember her from reporting and presenting for many years on Nine News Darwin before she did move to Nine in Sydney and also worked and travelled overseas for three years. But as it happens to so many of us, the lure of the NT dragged this territory girl home. She came back and worked in radio and now has moved into public relations and media advising. Yeah, the territory does have that way dragging us all back. She's also an ambassador for Amber NT. Now, that's an organisation up here that supports Territorians through the unimaginable loss of a child all the way from conception to 18. Now, Kiri suffered her own devastation of miscarriages and postnatal depression after the birth of her eldest daughter. So she's got a lot to say on this matter. So please welcome Kiri Blankensop. Welcome, Kiri. Oh, thank you. Thanks thank you very coming. much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's very exciting to have you on here because you have 
quite an interesting story that we are very excited to share and talk about. Oh, that that's good. And we know that's it's good. weird for journos to talk about themselves, which oh, you were just saying you're a bit nervous. Yes, absolutely. I'm driving in here. I could feel my heart racing and I was thinking, <laughs> why am I so nervous? And... You know, it kind of dawned on me. I'm usually the one asking all the questions. Or talking to a camera. Exactly. I I don't know how many people would be interested in hearing what I have to say, but we'll see. Oh, (laughs) you're a territory girl. I think that's the prerequisite. And everyone wants to hear our stories. Why not? Yeah. Give us your mum's stats. Um, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old, two girls. And I also have two stepdaughters, 11 and 13 which has been interesting going from only having to dealing with toddler tantrums mm. to leapfrogging to hormonal Teens. teenage years. Um, I'm very, very lucky that um, my partner's two girls are just beautiful. Oh, good. All the kids get along together. Um, they adore each That's- other. Was that the probably one of the most scariest parts? It was. That they it really was. We did a few um, set up meetings where I'd be down at the park, and Josh and his girls would just all of a sudden turn up there, and we'd be like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And see how the kids got along first before we kind of introduce them formally. Awkward if they didn't like each other, <laughs> right? Oh God, that probably would have been a deal breaker. Like that could have backfired, yeah. really. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> it's nice having built-in babysitters too. Oh yeah, that. that's. <laughs> Right, so true because they are getting into those years, yep. aren't they? Yep. So we have um, like a week on, week off situation where we have all the kids um, for one week and then have no kids for one week. And I miss my girls so much when I don't have them, but it's a real it's a real circus when we've got all four kids together. Yeah, that's a full house, absolutely. Yeah. At least you're out in the rural area now, so we've got of room lots to move of around. space. We've got five acres for them to just completely run wild yeah it's a pretty perfect house for the family that you've got as well yeah it's great we've got um, all these individual bedrooms that the kids can just shut themselves away watch whatever they want create a massive mess oh I actually remember looking at that house on real estate when we were looking at the houses at the same time and I was like God, whoever buys this house is bloody lucky. It looks this like is a resort. Awesome. It, it is. Does. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's every yeah, weekend out you. in the garden, mowing the lawn, mm-hmm. making sure the pool's all sorted. And is that the first time living out in the rural area? No, I um, lived at Humpty Doo for about five or six years growing up and at Marlowe's as well. So I'm well versed in picking up palm fronds <laughs> every weekend, which was most of my childhood. Oh, the joys of the tropics. <laughs> yeah. God, I used to hate that job. So. Oh, I know. Everyone's got palm fronds to pick up. Mine are all getting killed by a fungus which apparently you can't get rid of anyway should we start a gardening podcast yeah. <laughs> no I'll, I'll, I'll opt out of that one that's the other half's jobs <laughs> so let's go right back here so you're from the territory you're a journal by trade you've lived overseas give us a bit of a background yeah why did you in get into that? journalism oh well this is it's kind of a weird um story that got me into it i love teenage mutant ninja turtles when i was a kid like obsessed and I loved April. She was the video journalist that, oh, you know, the that. little sidekick. And I that. always thought she is so cool. That's what I want to do when I grow up. And I, I did. 
stuck um, to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was where it was first planted in my mind. Um, and then in high school, I did work experience at Channel 9 back then when it was Channel 8. I was lucky enough to get a job after school. So I'd work four or five hours after school and went away to uni for two years on the Gold Coast. And it was interesting. Went to Bond Uni. Went to Bond Uni, the, yeah. The vending machine uni, yes. as we like to call it. Those people <laughs> like myself who are from the Gold Coast. Oh, it's just a vending machine uni. <laughs> You I just pay that. your money and you get well, your degree. Well, let me tell you, I'm still paying off. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> that was no vending machine experience for me. Probably a lot of the other students that I went there with. Um, but it was interesting in all of the media studies um, classes that I did, they said, whatever you do, don't expect to just, you know, walk out of here and land a journalism gig. That's absolutely not going to happen. And um, I think it was a month after I graduated and, oh, no, I'd moved back to Darwin. I still had to go back and graduate and I got a job with Channel 9 as a court reporter before I'd even graduated. And it really kind of cemented in my mind. I know it's such a cliche, but the territory is... It's the land of opportunity. It is, yep. isn't it? Where yep. else in the country would you be able to go to a capital city and get a, a journalism gig straight Absolutely. out of the nowhere? And a yeah. funny link, I think, between you and I is that I always followed in your footsteps for each role that you yeah, did. Our, our lives have been really kind of intertwined. <laughs> it has, um, yeah. Kat and I both went to Camilda. She was a grade below me. Um, in high school, you went on and did the after school job after me. <laughs> yep. When I moved to Sydney, mm -hmm. you took my political. Yeah. <laughs> so you, how long did you spend in Darwin before you moved to Sydney? Because I, if you search your name on Google, which is what I did when I started working with you not long ago, <laughs> you can find all these YouTube videos of you doing like the big Channel Nine opinion like topic of the day yeah so it, I was like you were not just any small time journal no, I yeah, was, you were the political yeah. reporter I, yeah I it was interesting so I went from um court reporter progressed to political reporter and I was the main backup presenter by the time I was 21 here in Darwin which is wild um and then I moved down to Sydney and it was my first kind of experience with a mega newsroom. So there's the Today Show News, 11am, 4.30, 6pm, Nightline, weekend programs. Non-stop. Non-stop. It was also my first real experience with how competitive commercial TV is and it it's brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. Out, in the, isn't it? Yeah, in those metropolitan newsrooms. Um, so I thought, okay, I was doing a bit of producing, bit of reporting, bit of presenting um, during the 5am and the Qantas News and I thought I, I want a, a full-time reporter gig. And so I thought if I, I I take every single bit of overtime, I work the 1am shift for 12 months, I'm going to show them how hungry I am and how I can build up my experience. And I was um, sent to another newsroom to cover a, um, a natural disaster. It must have been 2010 or 2011. And I sat in the morning meeting with their bosses. The Sydney boss was on the phone and he said, make sure you use Kiri wherever she, wherever you can. She is such a good operator, but only put her on camera on the weekends because she doesn't have the glamour look that our other reporters have. Oh, my God. And oh. that was... It's such a savage industry, yeah. isn't it? Awful. That was gut-wrenching going. Did you I hear that? Yeah, I heard it. He didn't know I was there. That's oh, but I right. heard it straight out of his mouth and it just 
I was so gutted to think I have worked my absolute ass off. I must have been 23 or 24. That and that was tough. after having years in there. So yep. you had established yourself, clearly a very strong worker, willing to do anything, do those those shit shifts. But I wasn't good and good looking enough to be on but the at 23, 24, as if any 23 or 24-year-old isn't already like you know, figuring out who they are and where they are in the world. And body image is a huge part of that. It's Absolutely. That. It's such a knock to your self-worth. 100%. And I started second-guessing everything about mm. myself. As you would. And I thought, if I'm not good-looking enough, I'm never going to make it here. And it was really awful because I'd come back and was producing another um, reporter. It was something to do with interest rates or house prices. And um, she said to me, Oh, I don't have a house, so I don't really understand um, uh, interest rates. Can you write my story for oh, me? Oh, God. And it was at that point where I went, okay, this is this is not what I want to mm. do. So I packed up and moved to the other side of the world. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> and um, despite not being good looking enough to be on the the weekday news at Channel 9 at the time. Um, I was hired at Sky News, Al Jazeera. I was the main um, business presenter for Thomson Reuters and wow, presented news for, for China, Turkey, Brunei, oh Africa. And it was it was really validating um, to go, It's the, I've gotten here because of my experience, yep. not how I look. Well, obviously they thought you looked fine to be on television, (laughs) obviously. I mean, that is just such a wild opinion. I mean, I've copped pretty shit commentary to my face out on the streets at some point. Oh, you're you're a lot smaller in real life. uh, Thanks. Like, but seeing you on a daily basis, you're so beautifully put together. You know, like you're. It you takes clearly... a lot, though. I sm- scare small children if I don't have my hair and makeup done. You clearly, obviously, love fashion. You're so fashionable. You've always got great clothes. Your hair is always fantastically oh, put stop. together. No, so I just go on. You know, it's, it's, what a disgusting opinion, right? It, wait, you look that. I did he ever know that I, you heard he it? He never knew. He never knew. Um, well, he's about to. <laughs> He is about to. Let's send him this podcast. The thing is I didn't want to let that define me, so that's why I left. I didn't want to fight it. I thought if that's one person's opinion, we'll Mm. stuff it. I I don't have to prove my worth to you. I'm going to go somewhere else. When I worked at the NT News, I was very lucky. The Channel 10 rang up the NT News and said, we're doing a whip around the nation this Australia Day. And I somehow got volunteered to do the whip around the nation on behalf of Darwin. Long story short, I went down to the Australia Day fun run at the waterfront. It was my first time on camera. I had only ever done written news where my face didn't have to be. So I was so (laughs) paranoid. I didn't know what to wear. I was terrible at doing makeup, which is pretty evident in the video. But I bloody nailed it and I did a really good, good job. And I said to them, can I come down to Sydney? And I was single at the t- – oh, no, I was freshly in a relationship with Jack. But I said, can I come down and do a like a couple of days interning in your Sydney office? Yep, no worries. We'd love to have you down there. The competitiveness – and it's not like I'm not competitive, but I was like it was competitive to the point that everyone was nasty to each other it was just it's awful it it's was, so aggressive oh and it takes gosh. away it really felt when that happened to me it took away my love for broadcast news like i'm not naive to think that 
it's a visual thing. You have to present yourself well and yeah. not to sound like a wanker. I think I'm mildly attractive, but it never dawned on me that that would be the most important thing. Back. Yeah. It's crazy. It literally, when I went down there, I was like, oh, I don't want to do TV. Like I loved it. I loved being on the, like I somehow managed to find two guys to wrestle each other and pretend they were crocodiles. It was quite funny. Actually, I might just share it on us. I'll put it up on our, I'll put the link up on our social media when this episode goes live because it was a lot of fun and I was up against even, um, what's her name from The Bachelorette, Georgia Love. I blew her out of the water. <laughs> like she was so boring and then she was. And I was like, yes, this is so much fun. Went down to that Sydney office and I was like, absolutely no way. Do I want to do this? It leaves. It really happy. does leave a sour taste in it, your mouth and when that's, sad though, that's what the it? environment mm. is. Yeah, it really is. So really is. you went overseas and you found a whole new love for the job. Yes, I did. I I absolutely loved it. And um, focusing so heavily on international news, um, when I was at Thomson Reuters, I worked on a. Um, in a department called the Middle East Report. So that was all news coming out of Syria, Turkey. Wow. And it was it was just a, something I'd never really done before. I had a very um, high level knowledge of, um, you know, the war in Syria and issues that were going on at the time. But to be able to immerse myself in that work with Arabic speaking um, Such a operators. world away from the Northern it was, Territory. It was brilliant. It was really brilliant, really opened my eyes and I and, loved it. And so that was three years working over there? Yeah, three and a half years. Um, I had Dariah six months before I left. That's yeah. my first daughter, yeah. Um, and as soon as I had her, I went, I've got to go home. Yeah, yeah. so that was that home. was the catalyst, was yeah. it? Had you thought that that's the time of your life that you wanted your cat? Okay, I'm ready to become a mum. It, it was really weird. It was travel, work, and then a switch got flicked, and I went, I need to have a baby, and I need to have a baby now. Mm. It was it was so weird, just this overwhelming feeling that I had to have a child, and I got pregnant straight away. And my family had come over to visit. We told them that we were pregnant. Um, we'd gone away on a holiday. And I think it was about um, four days after my parents left, I was on the train home from work. And I started getting, uh, I must have been about 10 weeks along then. And I started getting cramps, like quite severe cramps on the train on the way home. And I got home and there was blood mm. everywhere. Um, I called my partner and said, I don't want you to panic, but I'm bleeding. And we went to the um, emergency room and the woman there said, I, I can't see anything. There's too much blood. I'm going to refer you to the early pregnancy unit tomorrow. So we went in the next morning and in the lift to go up to the early pregnancy unit, there was a, a heavily pregnant um, woman in active labour and just a stark contrast I, I just, I oh remember gosh. it so vividly. She's about to have a baby and I'm probably going to lose mine. And we went and had the scan and they said, we, we can't find a heartbeat. God. And it was, um, it was like soul crushingly devastating, but to be alone, isolated, and they were so sterile about the whole thing. They just get so many people through on a day to day. Yeah, that, that was what was, I think that's what took me back I was so taken aback by, rather, um, that it was just, you've lost your baby, off you go. 
Oh, God. Um, I was really lucky um, in my mind. I was able to have everything happen naturally. Mm-hmm. And so we went back to the doctor about a week later to have more checkups. And the first thing I said was, when, when can we try again? Mm-hmm. And they said, you can try straight away. And wow. I got pregnant straight away. Wow. And um, because I was so, like, anxiety-ridden yeah. about this pregnancy, I think we ended up spending, like, over £2,000, which is more than four grand, mm-hmm. on a um, scan every single week until I got to the three-month mark. And I had completely unremarkable pregnancy. That's the same. Yeah, that's how I had with Sally as well. Yeah. I had I had a missed miscarriage yeah. at nine weeks, and there was just it was still in there, and um, but no heartbeat when we went yeah. to go check it. And so then had to go the process of doing the pill, and then that didn't clear everything out. So then had to have the DNC. Oh, oh God! But then they Kat, told me so I had sorry. to. Thank you. It's same goes. You know, it is that. Just that, oh, my God. You didn't, I know that it's such a, a – so many people go through it, yeah. but it just never occurred to me other than, you know, you that advice of waiting for the, the 12 – that magical 12-week yeah. mark, yeah. which for so many people also – you, so many people go through it after that. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think that I, d- I don't like that it's all safe once you've hit no. the, the 12 weeks because people don't tell anyone and if they lose the baby, then it's, you're not talking it's about a it. hidden it's mm. a hidden thing. Um, yeah, I wish more people would, would talk about it. Um, yeah. uh, since I've started speaking openly about it, I've had so many friends that I never even knew were pregnant tell me that, I got pregnant and I lost a baby and I didn't I didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah, it never occurred to me that I would be in that statistic. Yeah. It must be a, a lonely experience when you can't tell anybody. When you feel like you can't tell anybody, it's like that big secret until yep. the 12-week mark. And Yeah, because everyone wants to hear about babies and yeah. you lose them and no one knows what to say and it's really awkward. But the stats are one in four. One in mm. four women will lose a baby before the three-month mark. What... what you say you no one knows what to say. What did you wish people would say to you at the time? Um, I don't... Like, what would have brought you comfort? I don't know, honestly. Um, just igno- just acknowledging my loss, I think. Um, there was lots of well-meaning people that said, oh, lucky you could get pregnant in the first place. Mm. Oh, you're so young, you can try again. Yeah. And it is. It's, it's very well-meaning. Um, I must have been 29. And they, it, it comes from a, a good place. They're trying to make you feel better. Yeah. But you're like, you're, you're grieving a person, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. you've, you've lost someone. It's a, it's a very odd um, feeling because you are grieving something that you don't know or you're grieving a little person you don't know what they mm. would have developed into, who they would have been, mm. if it would have been a boy or a girl, what they would have looked like. Yep. It's a very, very odd grief. And then the pregnancy that follows, as you said, is just so anxiety-ridden. Yep. Every cramp, every pain. You're thinking, is it going to happen again? Yeah, yep. you go to that scan, are you going to hear the heartbeat? Okay, is it moving? Is it developing yep. in the same speed as it should be? Is it everything? I think until I actually had her in my same, arms. Yep. That was when I could relax. Wow. Yeah. That's a long 40 weeks. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, God. Yeah, she was two weeks late. So 42 I was, weeks then. I was mm-hmm. very, very ready <laughs> Done. to have that baby. <laughs> and yeah. so you'd already decided with the first pregnancy that you were going to come home? Or yes. Yeah. 
So that sort of, again, just solidified, I want to be home with you. Yeah, I want to come home. I want to have um, my family around me to support me with my baby. Um, And I just, the territory has all, no matter where I've been, when I went to uni, um, when I went to Sydney, it's always been in the back of my mind that that's my comfy place. That's my home. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so you told us on your your questionnaire that you also suffered postnatum depression yeah and I I think that had a lot to do with being um, by myself on Mm. the other side of the world me and my partner being um, alone so Dariah was not a good sleeper and she was a really hungry baby so she would wake three or four times a night yeah and it was really difficult to get her to go to sleep it got to the point where even during the day she wouldn't sleep unless she was in the pram and it was moving. Mm. So probably for about three months I was walking 15Ks a day. Goodness Every wow. time she went to sleep Exhausting. I'd put her in the pram and I'd walk. And Without walk any and walk. energy of having a yeah. good night's sleep as yeah. well. So it just it got to the point where I was just so tired. I couldn't think straight. And I remember Shane getting home from work and I just handed Dariah to him. I had my um, exercise gear on and I just ran and ran and ran and got to um, a bridge. And I thought, if I throw myself off this bridge and I kill myself, um, I'll finally be able to get some sleep. Oh, my gosh. And I called my parents and I think it might have been about four o'clock in the morning. They both answered and I told them how I was feeling and they were able to comfort me and I obviously eventually went home um, and my brother and sister-in-law arrived the next day and that was able to take some pressure off because wow. we were going so long. Like everyone came over to visit us at different times but it was it was that part in between where it's it was so difficult and um, Shane was working. It was taking him about an hour to drive to and from work and so he wasn't getting home till 7.30 most oh nights. Gosh. So I was at home. Yeah, long days. Yeah, at home from 6.30 in the morning till 7.30 at night just trying to deal with a new baby. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So I was just trying to, trying to do my best and what I thought was right and that's where I know a lot of people like, oh, that's the stupidest thing ever, sleep when the baby sleeps. That changed everything for me where when the baby was sleeping, I wasn't racing around trying to do a million things mm. and exhausting myself even more. And like just sitting on the couch scrolling on my phone for an hour was just a reprieve and able to get a little bit more motivation. Bit to, of you time. Yeah, exactly. How long did that dark space you do you feel last for? I felt like it had been building up for probably about – two months Mm. and I hit that point and I think um, I was lucky that it was a situational depression rather than a chemical depression that I just no matter what I did I couldn't shake it so when they came they would take Dariah they would take her out for a walk for a couple of hours and I was just able to get some sleep and they were they'd come in late November I think and stayed till over Christmas so I had I had that help there and then we were moving back to Australia in 
mid-January yeah. where it I had takes all a of my support. Yeah. There's that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to support a, a new mum. It mm. really does. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there are enough support services for mums and check-ins on mental health. Um, one of the interesting things I did have when we would go and do like the health checkups for Dariah, they were always commenting on how fat she was. Mm. And I was like, she's she's five months old. And they're Everyone like, loves you, rolls on a baby, what right? Are you, what are you feeding her? And I was like, I'm just breastfeeding her. And they're like, are you sure? Oh, gosh. Oh, well, I just slipped her a Big Mac <laughs> and forgot about it. But that really, um, that was another time where I really questioned myself and I second-guessed myself about what I was doing. Gosh. And it was one of the last um, sessions that I had with this group of nurses before I came back to Australia and they said when you go back there I think you need to go and see a nutritionist because she's too big that is wild yeah that is ridiculous if I'd been over there I mean Sally was off the charts above that like they were Dariah was born in the 110th percentile for everything and just kept going up yeah, wow. in fact, there, were, there was one doctor I went to um, when she got a bit sick and he said, oh, wow, are you just breastfeeding? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, you could have twins and they'd still have plenty to eat. Good on you. <laughs> it's like whatever's in your breast milk, it's working. <laughs> Golden. <laughs> Far out. That is the last thing that you needed when you're going through that, already yep. questioning everything, not yep. having your usual support system because you come from such a big family. Yeah. And then wow. being told my baby was too fat. <laughs> Artie had his 12-month checkup. Nearly failed it because he wasn't turning the pages of a book. Mm. Please excuse my newborn in my arms as he sucks for boob. Yeah. No, there's just there's so, like, much, like, so much pressure put on new mums to meet all these milestones and... Yeah, it, it gets a bit ridiculous. My mum was telling me that when I was little that she got shamed by a nurse because I couldn't put blocks on, wasn't able to stack blocks at a certain yeah, but age. You were like, what, out on a block in Humpty Doo having the best time of your life? Like That's mm. what I said to the nurse. I was like, yeah, he might not be engaged in books, but he's out there helping my husband with the irrigation. Like he can sit on the lawnmower. He's doing all these other things like... God, stop putting so much pressure on parents for yeah, kids absolutely. that are absolutely fine. Totally fine. Yeah. It actually Wild. makes my blood boil because it's <laughs> like as if you're not drowning enough and like, you know, I've had friends that have had really small babies and it's, you know, oh, are you feeding your baby yeah. enough? Like are you, you know, producing enough breast milk? Do you need to top with, with formula? Like, yeah. oh, my God. Fed is best. It doesn't, oh, however way you get your kid fed, that's how it should be. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I don't think babies can be too big. The bigger the better. Yeah, that's right because then they get sick and all exactly. those things. Yeah, far out. When you look back on that, does that scare you that you had that thought at the bridge? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it just it scares the absolute shit out of me that I might have actually done it yeah. and not realised just how much it was just in that moment and being so exhausted and what it would have done to my partner mm. and my family and my baby. And yeah. so when you were going to have your second, did all that on top of you know, having already ha- experienced miscarriage, did that scare you even more that you're going to have to experience it again um, on top of having a toddler? Well, a young child? I, I had another miscarriage before I got pregnant with Arnica mm. as well, so which was, again, it was devastating, but I, I had all my family there for support. I was the patron of um, SIDS and Kids 
and I knew about all the services that they had for women that um, lost babies throughout pregnancy and afterwards. And I had a really close-knit group of people that were just um, very sensitive to dealing with that and it was like worlds away from my from my first experience that's awful you had to go through that twice that's yeah it it was it was it was really difficult um were you along um the same amount of time along no the first time I was around 10 weeks second time eight weeks okay yeah yeah equally devastating but yeah and and again Arnica's um pregnancy unremarkable Wow. Yeah, it was And so odd. because of the, the polar opposite experience, is that why you were wanting to be part of Amber NT? Yeah, absolutely, that? absolutely. Because of the way that I felt like I had no support and no one that knew how to deal with um, parents that had just – or to be parents that had just lost that, um, that hope and – it was just everyone that I dealt with was so clinical mm. and I like I get it, they're medical professionals, but just wanting to bring to them that you might see this every day, but to this person it could be the single most devastating thing that has ever happened to them in their entire life mm. and you're sticking a cold wand up in a woman and telling her she doesn't have a baby and here's a pamphlet and off you go. Bye. Gosh, so tell us how, how you get in touch with Amber MT and, and what what is the process? Because, yeah, I hadn't heard of them when I was going through my situation. Yeah, so they can they have a website, a Facebook page where you can um, contact them directly. Um, I think the early pregnancy unit at RDH also has referral systems and they're just, they're brilliant. They're non-clinical, so it's more to do with support and counselling rather than the, the medical side and they're just... They're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant and at how, what they you're do. You're still involved with them, and how long no, have you been involved? With I them? um I became patron in May of 2017, but I stepped back from the role last August, um, just with raising two little children, having um two stepdaughters as well, and the workload. And I a wanted time job. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that that um role was given the respect and the commitment that it really deserved. So yeah. I felt like I, I wasn't able to give um it the commitment that it deserved. So I'm still um involved at a, a lower level. Yeah. When you met so Josh. Yes. So how um was that a tough conversation or you know I mean after separating from a very long-term partner and then you're you're a single mum straight from the get-go with two kids how was yeah, that, that experience was, that would have been really hard that was quite lonely um I yeah I separated from Shane we'd been together for 17 years and I moved in with my mum and I lived with her for for 12 months. Um, Josh and I started up our relationship about a month after he'd moved to Alice Springs. So (laughs) glutton for punishment. (laughs) Uh, He was there for a bit over 12 months before moving back to Darwin where we were actually able to have a a proper relationship. But um, being able to have um, my mum there to help me with the the girls was brilliant and she's by herself too so it was it was nice for her to have her to have that company mm. yeah and they parents love being grandparents really don't they oh they do 
They do. I always sort of love I always say to my say to my mum, Oh, you know, I'm really I'm really um, finding it difficult to parent your grandchildren. Can you please (laughs) come and pick them up? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that I've my in laws have left only a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh my God. I have to learn how to parent two children now. Like, what am I going to do without you? Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's really brilliant to have that that kind of support. Although um, both Dariah and Arnika are cheeky, sassy. They like to push the limits. And every time I complain Sounds to like my chip of the old block, <laughs> hey. Every time I complain to my mum, she's gives me this look like, well, calm as a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> Were you a naughty teenager? Ah, uh, look, I was. I when I look back on it, I think to myself, why was I such a shit? Like honestly. It really is. And um why did I think I knew so much and you can't of have this epiphany I think when you're like in your early 20s and you go oh yeah my mum was really good to me my parents were really good to me why <laughs> was I don't get that realization until later on right until, yeah no one does until, until you've been a shitty teenager yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so did you have that conversation with Josh early on about you got kids and he you obviously found out he had kids yeah as well yeah and- we'd um we'd known each other through work so we both we we knew um what the family situations were it was a it was a big adjustment um going from basically a long distance relationship to him moving back and us moving in together in a house with four children and two dogs. Um, so that's that's been difficult to navigate, working out um, parenting styles and discipline, but we've we've really hit um, like the sweet spot now. Awesome. And everything's everything's kind of settled in we have our routine the kids know what's going on and it's brilliant yeah routine is such a big one for me and I don't even have a a blended family with so many moving pieces (laughs) can only imagine how good routine goes for you guys um you've given us some pretty stellar pearls of wisdom you've gone through one which is sleep where the babies sleep but you're a mum of bribery and destruction oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely um what's your your biggest bribery tool um well I like to start Christmas the Christmas lead up in November Mm. so it's oh you know if you don't do that mummy might have to write to Santa do you think Santa would be happy with that behavior does that work god yeah it does I feel like Ab- the Santa card's a good one. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, starting the Christmas period earlier and earlier in the year. Um, it doesn't work so well with the older girls, obviously, but the, <laughs> the little girls, yeah, they're absolutely into making sure Santa knows that they've been, they've been good all and year. And that works all year round? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. It's June. Christmas in July. Oh, well, I'm going to tell Santa. <laughs> Yeah, he's already out shopping, already creating all the gifts. Oh, yeah. they Look, they're already writing their Christmas list. Oh, oh, yeah. March. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all the things they didn't give them. them always about the December. toys. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we go to the shops, oh, mummy, look at that. Do you think I can get that dolly? Oh, you better put it on your Christmas list. Okay. Yeah. Well, mum talks to Santa very regularly in contact. Santas are my BFFs, my favourites. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Husband, <laughs> mum, mother-in-law, Santa. Yep, Santa is the best the best bribery that I've found um, for my kids. But also um, 
just giving in when you need to. I had one point where Dariah had gone from eating anything, everything, and then for dinner, maybe for two weeks, mummy, I just want wheat picks. Yes. And she wouldn't eat anything else. And we'd have these massive tantrums and meltdowns. And I just went, oh, fuck it. You can have wheat bix You want wheat bix You can have wheat bix Oh, thank God you're saying this. Because honestly, <laughs> food has been a huge battle. And yeah. like I get, yeah, all the different milestones and then something changes. I definitely find myself stressing out, the meltdowns, trying to get her to eat enough so she's not waking up in the middle of the night yeah. hungry and yeah, she she loves a bit of wheat bix for dessert, breakfast yep. and dessert. Yeah, Artie's a big <laughs> wheat bix man. I've actually found weirdly solids of all the things that to get stressed about, solids for me was one of those things that I'm like if I give you this, am I going to turn you into a fussy eater when you're an adult? And I have totally stressed about solids. It's been mm. one of those things that has just probably been, which sounds so silly, most stressful parts of raising a kid. I've only got a 16, 17-month-old, but I'm like, if I give you this, will you not oh, food, food and toilet training was the biggest stresses for me and we got through it and it was fine. And I remember reading an article that said um, for a kid to like something – you need to put it on their plate at least 10 yes. times. Yeah. And right. so I've been been trying to do that, trying different vegetables and different fruits. And if they don't eat it, don't stress it, doesn't mean they don't like it. Yeah. Heidi went through a pumpkin phase and then all of a sudden they hate just pumpkin. Yeah. My I kids were the understand. same with bananas. Like serve it too yeah. much. Like just freaking eat it. God, the amount of bananas we have in the house is just like, oh, you're not going to eat that? Want a banana? Or do you want these six punnet of strawberries? Like, oh, oh, yeah. Or I had, blueberries. Yeah. I had the same with bananas where I just kept buying them, buying yep. them, and eat them every day. And then I bought this massive bunch and they're like, oh, I don't like bananas, honey. <laughs> mm, of course you don't. <laughs> eat the fucking banana. <laughs> yes, food's definitely a big battle in our household yep. and I stress out. And Steve's like, just <laughs> calm down. Like, it's fine. She eats all the strawberries and stuff, but it's definitely, for me, connected to sleep. I'm like, you don't need all this. Yep, you're going to wake up wake hungry. Up, and I'm going to have to deal with it. Yes. yes. <laughs> so you also yeah. read to the girls every night as well. That's a pearl of wisdom you've yes. given us. Yep. What is it about books that um, has put that in your I've of always, always loved reading. Um, I remember being about 10 or 11 when the first Harry Potter book mm. came out and I started reading a couple of pages in the afternoon and then woke up about 2am and I went, I've got to finish it. So I sat there under my nightlight finishing off Harry Potter. My parents have always been um, into books before bedtime as well yep. and I really wanted to instill in um, my kids a love of reading and a love of adventure and imagination. So, yeah, we do we do that every night. Have, are you on the way there? Like, do they love reading? Yeah, do they, they do. They do. And Dariah, for Dariah, it's just probably in the last six months, it's really clicked, and she can she can read read herself. Awesome. So it's been it's it's really um, like a proud mum moment when yep. she pulls out a book and she can read it and she can understand it. Are you a library mum or do you go and buy books? Or? No, no, I'm a book I'm a book buyer. You're a book buyer. I'm a book buyer. We, Keeping yeah. the bookshops alive. Yes, yeah. I like to have books where if I really enjoy it, then it's just there and I can read it over and over and over again, which yep. I I do with 
um, a lot of my books, it's just having the space for them. Yeah, oh that's the problem, God. isn't it? Oh, my God. But they're also um, really handy for the big huntsmans out in my house to squash, oh, which has been well, – I've had Then to you've use, got to clean the book. I've had to use books a few times to oh, do I that. Spiders. Yeah. Do what you need to do. The, the girls came home and they're like, Mummy, one of the dogs has gotten in the books are everywhere. I was like, oh, it's just a big spider that we're just <laughs> throwing books at it. <laughs> oh, one of the joys of living in the rural area. Although out in Wollongi, you get some big ones as yeah. well. Yeah, it's a territory thing. Yeah, yuck. yuck, yuck. You mentioned obviously the territory being in the back of your mind yep. all the time when you're overseas on the other side of the world. The territory's there, and it, so it was always end game. You're like, I'm going back there. That's where I want to raise my kids. Or when you're yeah. over there, you're sort of like, no, I'm keen to just stay here for yeah, a while. Yeah, I think I wanted to probably spend another couple of years um, living in London just for the opportunities to travel. I think we might have done 25 countries wow. in the three and a half That's years awesome. we lived there, which was amazing. But once I had Daria, um, I just went, no, I'm done. I'm done. I want to go home. When I was having to go and take her for walks, sometimes it was snowing and I'd have to put her in her suit and wrap her up and I was like, I'm just, I'm sick of this. But also, how hard is breastfeeding in winter clothes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like That was that. such a, I didn't realise until I went to Melbourne and had to breastfeed Artie Layers. under four jumpers. Yes. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I'm usually just wearing a T-shirt or a button-up shirt. Yep. And, it's and then you're getting the side you're good to go. Yeah, no, that was that was really – I didn't enjoy it. No. I didn't en- – I, I quite like winter, but it got to the point where I was like, this is just too hard. Everything to do with it. Having to Cold get all rugged up to go outside. Yeah, I was ready to come back to It's amazing how something sunshine. just, like, clicked in you. You were keen to keep travelling and then yeah. Bugs comes along and you're like, no, nope, we're done. Well, I couldn't take her outside without um, rugging her up and I thought, oh, I want her to be, like, naked running around the garden barefoot. Yep. And, yeah, there weren't many places in Europe where you could have done that in November. True. <laughs> Absolutely true. not. And the territory is one place you can definitely do that. I know that for a fact. My kid never has clothes on. Yep. Both my kids are, are nudists. That's great, which is, It's great. It just, I think Liberating. it just raises a particular type of kid. Yeah, and you don't have to do as much washing, which no. I quite enjoy. <laughs> just so true. Do you just have tiles all through your Oh, no, you're probably past the accidental. Yeah, no. Um, poo on the tiles stage. No, we, d- we didn't have to deal with that, which was good. <laughs> which was good. They had, had, their li- had their little potties. <laughs> so, no, luckily escaped poo on the tiles. So you're done with the four, the two? Um, look, I would never say never, but four is a handful. It's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. It is a lot. And if we won the lotto and had a live-in nanny and a cook and a gardener yeah. and I didn't have to work, True. it yeah. sounds like a great Amazing. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Right now with everything else, yeah, not so cost, great. Yeah, the cost of living. Yeah, going to Woolies and having to feed four kids. Oh mm. my god. Yeah, it's it's a lot. What a stitch up the shopping center is at it's the moment. A lot. God, yeah. <laughs> so with Daria overseas, and you did a lot of traveling with her really young. I mean, yeah. How was that? Because I find it, I I love the idea of it. And, you know, once the holiday's done, I look back and I'm like, oh, what amazing memories. Yeah. But in the middle of it and then you have a shit night or, you know, not having the nap that they need to, whether it's in the pram or in the hotel room or Airbnb, whatever. You're just like, oh, 
it's exhausting parenting in another area. Yeah, you're not really even having a holiday. You're just like being a parent in a different location. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I wanted to um, not stop traveling. We still had six months before we were going to move back. So I thought I like I'm not going to give up my holidays quite Fair. selfishly. Um, and I'd um, been following, I don't know, some travel blogger that said that kids don't stop the adventure, they just slow it down a little. And I thought, oh, what a, what a great um, way to look at travelling with kids. And I also realised that... Um, you know, you have an early night, you get up early. You, I think you're able to experience things from a completely totally. different perspective than if you go there and you're enjoying all the food and the wine and not getting up until, you know, like mid-morning. Um, it was I, – I really, really enjoyed it. We took Dariah to Scotland when she was three weeks old. Wow. Um, except the six-hour drive turned into a 12-hour drive. Stopping. All the stopping, yep. the nappy changes, the feeding and all the rest of it. But we took her up to see um, all my mum's family there, which was – it was really nice to for all of them to meet my baby. Um, when Shane's parents came over, we went to Greece. And then when my, my brother and sister-in-law came over, we went to Iceland for a week. And it was quite funny going through customs. They kind of ushered Shane and I over into the, um, you know, priority like, line. Uh, no, it was it was like the Icelandic natives. They must oh. have been thinking like, "What fucking idiots traveling <laughs> to Iceland with a baby at six months old unless they live here." <laughs> Which was it was hilarious, and I. The, the people were so friendly. Like when we were flying over there, she was being a bit grumbly on the plane. One of the hosts just said, give her to me, and I didn't see her for an hour. How oh, good wow. is that? It was That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. She just just took the baby, went off, sang to her. It oh, was perfect. It was brilliant. A tick for Iceland yeah, yeah. kids. <laughs> like being able to fly three hours and you're in Greece mm-hmm. and oh, it's just something in Australia you just can't do. Yeah, well, the, the longest flights we did were three hours to Moscow and three hours to Santorini. Everything oh else was Must less be nice. than that. You drive for three hours and you end up in Catherine. Like, oh. I love Catherine, but <laughs> it's know, not Santorini. No Santorini. <laughs> and even flying, you have to fly for, what, four hours to get to Brisbane? Unless you're going yeah. to Bali. Or Cairns, I think Cairns is too. Mm. Yeah, but just yeah, it was incredible how close and how cheap everything was. I think I did a flight to um, Copenhagen in Denmark to go um, and visit my mother-in-law at the time, and it cost me twenty-seven quid. Amazing, and the flight was forty minutes far out. So, what would be your biggest tips for travelling with a young kid? If there's someone out there who's you know desperate to go on a holiday, but they're like, oh no. Nah, hell no. Take advantage of anyone saying, can I help you with that? Like, yes, here you go. See you in 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not just the simple grabbing a bag, but, oh, you want a child? Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Lots and lots of snacks. Um, and I also had, like, the baby carrier where I'd put um, dryer in it and then you've got hands-free. Mm, and yeah. all throughout Europe um, they have a priority parents um, line to go through you know security and everything so it was it was yeah, actually it was happen. quite easy to travel with kids because they obviously didn't want some baby screaming in the check-in line or security mm. or whatever they were very very helpful just take advantage of anyone who wants to help uh when Dariah was about 
two and I must have been about seven months pregnant. One of our friends was getting married in Portugal and they said, oh, we'd love for you to come over. And I thought, oh, seven months pregnant, toddler. Oh, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> and so we did it. We did it. And Amazing. just, um, yeah, we're able to take advantage of the um, airport staff, the hosties on the plane, just helping us Love along it. the way. Did they offer or did you just go, here you go, here's the baby? <laughs> No, they were really good because I, I also didn't want to be one of those mums that was like, oh, I'm a mum, I need all the extra help. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those are my tips. Lots of clothes, lots of food. Yep. Lots of things to distract the child with. Back to that it's distraction yes. and bribery. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Goes with Santa everything. Santa won't come if you don't sit still. Sit still on this plane. Yeah. Oh, the worst thing when we were flying from Darwin to Singapore, I thought Dariah would be like quite a good flyer and I was feeling quite smug about it. I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to be good. Frequent flyer ready. And, oh, my God, we took off. Or just before we took off, she's pointing out the planes and she's getting really excited and I thought she's going to like fall asleep we take off and she starts crying not because of her ears I think we might have been about half an hour into the flight and I was like okay baby you, let's let's calm down mummy I need to stand up or whatever she was saying when she was two stand up stand up and I was like you're not standing up I think it was turbulence or something and she fucking screamed oh, those and screamed tantrums. and yeah. screamed oh. it must have been I shit you not for about 40 minutes oh god I was not feeling so smug then where's the finergan <laughs> holy yes. shit but she's she screamed so much that she put herself to sleep and I was like oh <laughs> it has to end sweet relief <laughs> sweet relief yeah. Babies are babies are easy on the planet. Put them on the boob, toddlers. fall asleep, no worries. Yeah. Oh, toddlers. Yeah. You just want to walk. Toddlers are difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're not quite at that age where you can reason with them properly. Yeah. And they're not always going to be engaged in the iPad or all the sort of distractions. I know Artie just wanted to walk up and down that aisle 50 million times yeah. on our flight back from Townsville <laughs> over Christmas. And I was like, just oh, sit in your damn Thank God seat, I don't have kid. to do this again until... 12 months. Yeah. 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> You've bought your forever sort of dream home out in yes. the rural area yes. and you're working in PR, hanging around the territory. Yes, for the foreseeable future. Good one. Um, Love to hear it. Yeah, look, I envisage myself living here forever, dying here. I love the territory. Wow. Yeah, I really, really love it. Although maybe when I retire, I wouldn't mind having a house like somewhere else so I can enjoy the dry season here. Then when the wet season that kicks is the, in, I can. That is <laughs> the dream, isn't it? Have a couple of like monsoons yeah. when it's raining, yeah. but then, yeah, skip the build up. I'll be able to, yeah, piss off oh, when it gets yeah. a little bit too Back warm. to your holiday house. Yeah. yeah. Coastal Victoria or somewhere. <laughs> Tasmania would be nice. You've already mentioned, obviously, the land of opportunities. Yeah. And having a, a childhood out in the rural area. Those are the main things that you just love about the territory. Yeah, and that, that's really what I want for my kids, to be able to have the freedom and the opportunities that I had. Um, I remember I was emceeing a government um, population growth strategy um, kind of panel. I think it must have been back in 2018. And it really made me reflect on why I love living here mm. and why people should move here. And a couple of things that really stuck with me were no one cares what your parents do unless they are genuinely interested yep. in um, 
what they do for a job. No one cares which school you've gone to unless they're saying, oh, do you know my cousin that goes there? And I've been lucky enough to never experience this kind of glass ceiling that's um, there in other places for professional females. And my parents never told me you have to work harder because you're a woman they just told me you have to work hard yeah and that's that's what I've taken um with me throughout my entire career you just need to work hard yeah and take those opportunities when they present themselves absolutely um and I actually remember you messaged me the other day when I put a story up of my son on the lawnmower and you're like man my daughter is begging me to build her a BMX track on the bobcat. oh god yes <laughs> I was like oh that's a rural kid if I've ever yeah. heard of one yeah they've gone full feral they want the BMX jumps we've got a little creek um down the back of our place which is about you know ankle deep um crock free you know clear and flowing and they're always asking us to take the dogs down to the creek and do you just still make sure you throw the dogs in first before the kids yes yeah you say crop free but you still put the dogs in first rather lose the dog than a kid (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i said that the other day i sort of jokingly not jokingly said it the other day they're like oh do you go swimming i was like oh yeah but i always put the dogs in first to someone down south that just doesn't understand and they're like are you serious I was like, like what, oh, you want well. me to throw the toddler in? I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess. So they're like, you would do that to your dog? And I was like, well, to save I a don't child, know, yes. <laughs> really made you reflect, like, uh, what, like what's the right answer again? here that you're searching for? God. That sounds amazing, though. For yeah, the girls. it is. It's, it's beautiful. And Annika, my youngest, is a real tomboy. And um, we'll want to put her, you know, frilly Emma Tutu on and then go Bless. and look at worms or frogs or oh, whatever. Yeah. Love that. So yeah. she'll have the, the Fendi pair of heels that you've never worn. Oh, yeah, my God. What the hell? I know. <laughs> yeah, I had this. Um, oh, I still have. It's just my feet are a little bit puffier after having two children, yeah. like an absolute shoe obsession. And I went over to Hawaii at a time when um, the Aussie dollar was actually stronger than the American dollar. Yeah, they were Julie Gillard days, weren't they? Yeah. That was a while ago. went to um, this kind of luxury designer outlet and there were just these pair of beautiful Fendi's that I could afford to buy so I did I just never and then do you just look at them every put day them on my feet they're in a glass yeah. box <laughs> they've got suede on the sole so you'd oh. need like a red carpet or something yes. oh wait but how do you stop them from going moldy with suede on the feet probably what? just because they've never been out in the air yeah <laughs> they're like sealed <laughs> up and <laughs> I have no that. idea. I, I always check on them each wet season just to make sure they're still intact. In oh, I hate the mould. Yeah. The mould is really, yeah, I've really struggled with it um, this wet season. Yeah, the same. entire house just feels musty. Damp. Damp, musty, yeah. Yep. The smell is gross. Yep. I need to wash literally everything in our ensuite because even though we have a fan in our bathroom, it just doesn't quite reach our ensuite and everything is musty and it's gross and I just yeah make sure you check in your cupboards as well Mm. there's a few times where I've like pulled back clothes and been like a patch of mold on the back yeah if it doesn't get sunlight it's gonna go moldy yeah (laughs) so we might as well end on because we are coming to the end of our time your mango madness oh yeah we love a good mango madness moment. oh yeah look I've had many Um, I think in the questionnaire I really pinpointed it to getting ready to go out anywhere, anytime, 
doing your hair and makeup yeah. and trying to get your clothes on and just being so sweaty. I've had like legitimate breakdowns. Tantrum. Crying on yep. the end of the bed because I can't pull a pair of pants on. Mm. Yeah, putting or, gut suckers on in the build-up. Yeah. Oh. Got drips of sweat and coming just off like my hot chin. Yeah. In, in your oh, gut suckers just, and you're just like. Yeah. yeah. And then the foundation on your face doesn't go on properly and it's just like, why do I even bother? Yeah, I remember one of my friends saying, oh, how do you get your makeup to look so dewy? <laughs> I was like, because my entire face is sweating. <laughs> That's a makeup tip that yeah. no one else anywhere else gets. This doesn't cost hundreds of dollars at makeup. No, I just this is sweat on your makeup. Natural, yeah. natural oils. <laughs> what a nice compliment, though. So dewy. So dewy. So dewy. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, well, I have really curly hair. I just give up on hair straighteners. I just yeah, no. slick it back in a bun in the wet season. In the dry season, I might embrace the straightener a bit more, but. God, yeah, I went humidity. down to um, Alice Springs um, for work about a week ago and just having no humidity in the oh. air. Oh, my God. I was Isn't just nice? thinking, I can't remember the time I actually had straight Dead hair straight. Yeah. Yeah. and not all frizzy. And yeah, yep, it's the mum bun for me. Yeah, mum bun yep. for life. That's it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kiri, for your time and, and coming to chat with us. Oh, no worries. Really being so open about your experiences with your miscarriages and your experiences with Amber and T and I hope that our listeners you know might reach out to those organizations if they're feeling lost know that you're not alone like, yeah that's that's been um a really big part of why I wanted to get involved I want people to know it does happen it's devastating oh. and there are support services if you find that you are really really struggling We'll put the link to Amber and T in the show notes, I reckon. Definitely. So if you yeah, can't find it online, we'll definitely put it up there so you can easily find um, their website and contact details. Brilliant. Awesome. Thanks, Kiri. Thank you Thank so you. much. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, I know there were some pretty sad low points in that interview, but sometimes you got to talk about the hard stuff. Exactly. And definitely plenty of people that probably would be able to relate as well. But also... There's a woman raising a blended family mm. in Darwin's rural area and loving her life. And you can go travelling with a toddler. Give oh, yes. A crack. You can. <laughs> there you go. That was some good tips there that she gave us. Snack queen. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was us this week. So like, subscribe, follow, share with your mates, friends, colleagues. Tell clients. everybody. Tell everyone. Spread the word. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.